Hey, it's Kanzano. I appreciate you making this podcast part of your day. Make sure you subscribe if you want more and leave us some feedback. Away we go. Initialize sequence. Welcome to The Baldcast, a production of John Kanzano's Baldface Truth. From the Pack West Center in downtown Portland, presented by High Caliber Millwrights, here's John Kanzano with The Baldface Truth. Well, we've been taking a lot of phone calls. I'm hearing uh, that the the rivalry with Oregon and Washington is alive and well. Softy from KJR in Seattle came on the show. Well, it's good for me. That's all that matters, baby. <laughs> good for Softy. It's good for us. I mean, I was rooting hard against Oregon when they made the championship game. Big wow. time. Uh, I, I wanted nothing to do with Oregon winning a national championship. And I hope Oregon fans feel the same way. I mean, I don't want Oregon fans rooting for Washington. And they don't want me rooting for them. This is exactly the way it should be. Let's let 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 carry this rivalry, John, with us to the Big Ten. The nastiness, the animosity, the hatred, the history of this rivalry between UW and Oregon. I don't want this to die in the Big Ten. I don't want UW to start becoming a rival of Nebraska or Penn State or Ohio State. I don't want Oregon to do the same thing with Michigan. I want to carry this nastiness, which I think is great for the game. It's great for business. It's great for sports. Uh, Let's carry this with us to the Big Ten. So if you're an Oregon fan and you're rooting for Washington on Monday night, shame on you. And that's coming from a Husky fan, by the way. There it is. Softy. AJR in Seattle. Matt Prem, 24-7 sports, covers the University of Oregon. At a basketball game, happened to find himself in Seattle last night. Covering the Ducks' win over the Huskies, he's joining us now. What what's the atmosphere there? You heard Softy, by the way. Let, let, are you surprised by that at all, Matt? Um, if you're rooting for Washington, come on, like that that's wrong. If I know. if you're if you're an Oregon fan and you're and you're rooting for Washington, so I mean, I, I don't know where he's coming up with the idea that this rivalry is going to go away when they go to the Big Ten. It's only going to get stronger because it's going to be the last game of the year. And think about, we see this in what's called the big game between Ohio State and Michigan. Like, How many times have those teams won a game to eliminate the other one from the playoff or the national championship conversation? Like That will happen with these two teams at Oregon and Washington late November when, when they play. And I would think if you're I, – look, I think Washington's going to win. I, I don't think – I don't think uh, – it's probably going to be the worst situation from an Oregon fan's perspective because uh, they're going to see the Huskies get a legitimate national championship and they're going to be able to put it in front of Oregon's face. Um, and that's going to stink for Oregon fans. But I, I think this, this rivalry is only going to get – Last year, it's only going to get better, and with the move to the Big Ten, it's going to become a it's going to become a thing nationally. I because look, I, I don't know about you, John. I think both Oregon and Washington. I I think you could sell me on to a degree. USC and UCLA, they're going to run the Big Ten early on. Ohio State and Michigan are going to be good, but everybody else, they're slow, they're boring offensively. Uh, I think the defenses are inflated because of how poor the offenses are. And I think the West Coast speed is going to show up, and especially Oregon and Washington. 
would not yeah, be surprised if they're if they're one and two next year in the league. Yeah, and I I originally thought, oh gosh, you're gonna have to go into that conference. You're gonna have to deal with Ohio State, Michigan, Penn State, Wisconsin. There's depth there. And then this season, I just have not been impressed with the Big Ten, and no. even Ohio State, and even Michigan. I got to be honest, like you know, Michigan's there. I kind of think Oregon, Michigan would be a hell of a game. Yeah, yeah. I I I am firm believer that that I think Washington's going to win by more than a score. Uh, they've got they've got an NFL quarterback, they've got four NFL receivers, and no one in college football has the defense to to cover those guys. Um, the only way Washington wins is if if they commit to the run game and they don't try and play catch up and they just try and put together a bunch of drives. I don't think that happens. Uh, I think Washington brings back a good core. I think they hit the portal and they bring some more guys in for quick fixes. And in the short term, at least Washington will be an elite team again next season. I think Oregon's going to be an elite team next year. And I, I just think with the speed and with, with the offenses that both teams have, uh, the past, the, the Big Ten championship will run through the Pacific Northwest. I, I, it seems homerish to say that, but I, I, I'm not unlike you. I'm not impressed at all with what with the Big Ten what they have, and I think it's going to be the same next year. Dan Lanning in, in December's signing day, there's a yeah. lot of noise about his class. Give us an idea because you study this, you write about this all the time. Give us an idea how good that class was. How you know how it compares maybe to some Mario Cristobal classes. What did you think of signing day? It's the best class ever. Um, whether it's for the traditional route of high school and JUCO players, um, or you want to look at it from the modern day era of high school JUCO and portal. It's 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 the best class ever, and that's a factual stat. It's not just my opinion. Um, 26, uh, 26 guys have signed, and from a from a pure ratings perspective, ranking numbers perspective, it's the best class ever. Um, they've done a tremendous job of dominating the West Coast. The best player in California, the best player in Arizona, the best player in Washington. Uh, they've got the best, the second best JUCO player in the country. They've got the best player in the state of Oklahoma coming to Oregon. Um, they have, I want to say off the top of my head, it's like seven guys, eight guys that are top two, four, seven players in the country. That's the most, uh, that they've signed in one year. Um, they've targeted the defensive line heavily yet again. Uh, and then they've, they've signed some game breaking receivers, Jeremiah McClellan, Ryan Pelham. Uh, and Dylan um, Dylan Johnson or yeah Dylan Johnson and aggression excuse me and I talked to Junior Adams I asked him like what's the expectations of all three of these guys and he said like the, from a talent perspective they're good enough to play day one and it's how do they respond how do they execute how quickly do they adjust to the speed talked to Tony Tuioti asked him about some of these guys that he signed. Uh, he, he, he's got two five-star defensive linemen coming in. He's got another one uh, in Jericho Johnson that's a massive human being. Um, they signed the, the two best defensive tackles out west. He said all of them have the, have the talent to play right away. They've all got the physical skill set to play right away. And it's just how quickly do they adjust to the speed of this game. Um, Aaron Flowers is an elite safety from Texas. Forney High School, they played for the state championship game uh, down there. And 
he has dominated at the um, all-star games that he's played in. Uh, that's another thing. A lot of these guys are, a couple of them will be playing tomorrow on, on TV um, in the Adidas All-American game. Uh, but Aaron Flowers is, is a guy that the expectation, Chris Hampton, Oregon's safeties coach and co-defensive coordinator, he told me, like, this is a guy we recruited because the expectation is he's going to be good enough to play next season as a true freshman. Now, none of these coaches came out and said he's going to be a superstar. He's going to be a starter day one. They don't, they don't talk that way. They don't, they don't put that pressure on their players. But they were all willing to come out and basically say, like, a lot of these guys, like, it's up to them to play. They've got the talent. They've got the athleticism. They've got the physical size, which is not normally the case. Um, it's the best class in school history. And it, it, as crazy as it sounds, Dan's just getting started. And I, I think the 2025 class has a, has a chance to be even better than this. Depend, you know, they're already having a couple commits on, on, on staff or on, on this class. Uh, they're in on some five stars and, Dan talked about how a uh, year one, it was you're, you're, you're selling a vision and year two, it's you've now got some factual data to show recruits of, yeah, we can do this. This is what we did here. This player is going to do this and he did it. And we're starting to see the fruits of that labor play out. And uh, a couple guys like junior Adams is turning into, I mean, the, he recruited all those UW receivers, all of those guys that the, the big, big things for the Huskies, he brought them all there. He's, he's, now doing it at, at, at Oregon, um, he's turning into, like, if you're a premier receiver out west or nationally, like, you look at what Junior Adams is doing. Uh, Demetrius Martin, Oregon's cornerback coach, turned into uh, – he turned Christian Gonzalez into a first-round draft pick this past season. Kyrie Jackson's going to get drafted at some point this year. You've seen projections of a day-two pick for Kyrie Jackson this year. They're really high on Jalil Florence, a, a returning player next season. They're really high on uh, Sione – uh, Luluel, uh, a Juco guy, like if one of those players pops enough next season uh, and, and is an NFL guy, like three straight years of, of producing an NFL draft pick at the cornerback position, very possible for Oregon. Like he's turning into a guy. And now Will Stein, like look, think about how good Bo was last season. And he made marked improvements this season. Will Stein will get Dylan Gabriel. Uh, and they've got Dante Moore waiting in the wings. Like, Oregon's only going up, and it's going to be on them now to kind of shed the label of always potential, and they never win the big one. That's the big. That, that's the hurdle that's left. They got to beat Washington. You don't win three in that, and you know they're they're really close to putting together you know multiple classes that are blue chip heavy. And that's what's required to get to the playoffs and, and to ultimately win it. Matt Prem, 24-7 Sports with us. You mentioned Dylan Gabriel. And here I was after the Fiesta Bowl looking at Bo Nix going, wow, 61 starts. Can that even be broken? Like you'd have to play, yeah. you'd have to play, uh, you know, into the playoff multiple years, you know, 12-team playoff conference championship game. Here comes Dylan Brooks, 49 starts. Another experienced guy. But how different is he in your mind than Bo Nix? Will he start? Is it a no-brainer? Is it possible we yeah. see a little Dante more? You, you tell me. He starts. Um, he's more of a runner and more willing of a runner. Um, but their skill sets translate. Um, they're very. They're both very good, quick decision makers. 
Um, Gabriel will will break Bo Nix's record and potentially have a couple games on top of that if Oregon keeps him healthy and then Oregon makes the run like they think they could. Um, But I think the offense will be very similar. Uh, I think the running threat of Dylan Gabriel will be something new. Um, And Dante Moore, I think he plays. I I don't, I I think he red shirts, but they, they probably do a little spot play. Like, I don't know if he's necessarily going to be the guy that when it, it turns into a 63 to to seven performance against Idaho uh, week three or whenever they play the Vandals now um, in the middle of the third quarter. I, I don't think, that's just the automatic game for Dante Moore. But it pro- probably the, the first one probably will be, but they'll probably you know pick and choose where he plays um, th- just to give him some development. Or if they think he's good enough when he shows up right away and he's only going to be on campus for three total seasons, there's no point in redshirting him. Uh, so, so play him in every single blowout. But I think that's kind of the debate with, with Dante Moore is how much development does he need? How much time does he need? If if they view him as a guy that's going to potentially be on campus for four seasons, redshirt him. So you get three years of him as a starter. Uh, if, if they think he's only going to be here when he arrives and it's like, wow, he's really good. He's, he's got all the tools. He's going to be here. Uh, he's going to play right away when, when, when Gabriel moves on and we have full confidence in him being elite. Then, yeah, you, you don't redshirt him in 2024 and you just get him into every single game that you possibly can just to get him more game reps. Uh, for that 2025 season. Um, I, 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 I think Austin Nova says will probably play a little bit, but that, that, that more part will be what dictates if he red shirts or, or if he tries to, to play a lot. Cause I, I, I think this offense is going to be really good and it could potentially get even better. Um, they've, they've got a, a transfer portal target, um, Stewart from Texas A&M on campus this weekend. And he's one of, the best portal players available um, or, or straight up just entered the portal this season. Um, very, very electric receiver. He comes to Oregon and they've, they've basically replaced uh, Troy Franklin with a former five-star, a, a top 10 portal prospect this off season. They brought back Tez Johnson. They brought back Trayshawn Holden, Gary Bryant back. Jury uh, on Dickey will, will be healthy for the season. Um, I, I, they've got studs at running back. I, I, I think Jordan James is going to be better than Bucky, uh, Bucky when he gets the workload of what Bucky got. Um, Noah Whittington said today he's back. I, I think this off, the offensive line's all back except for Stephen Jones and, and JPJ. And we, we know that, you know, Poncho, Iapani Lalu is a, a true freshman, freshman All-American when he didn't start a single game. Um, <laughs> They're 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 loaded. Offensively, they're going to be really good next season. Matt Preem with us covers the Ducks twenty four seven sports. You were you were at the basketball game last night. Oregon's yeah. in Seattle so 70, 76-74 win for the Ducks over the Huskies. Give us give me an idea. Is the Washington does the Washington fan have the bandwidth for basketball right now, or are they all in on no. football and unable to deal with it until the football season's over? They don't have the bandwidth. I I was expecting going into that game thinking it was going to be a near sellout because it's Oregon, Washington. Um, I was expecting maybe them to, to, to trot out the Husky team. Hey, they, they leave on Friday. Let's, let's send them off. Um, give them a big standing ovation for their win. They did have the Sugar Bowl trophy there, which was present, which was awesome to see. 
fans are taking photos of it. Um, but you showed up, and it was a very late arriving crowd. I, I think there was less than 5,000 people there for at least the first half of the of the game. Um, there were The crowd was never into it until they took the lead by two points with like three minutes to go. But it never really got hostile. Um, it's going to be the easiest quad one road win that Oregon will face all season long from a, from a game environment because it was so stale. Like, and I understand, like, I get it. Like they, they've got a national championship to play for, but I was completely taken back of just how subdued the environment was. And if you're Oregon and if you're Dana Altman, you're probably saying, thank you. Hallelujah. This was, you know, it was a tough game for them. They didn't play their best basketball um, for long stretches of that game. And, they continue to be without their two post players, uh, and they found a way to win, but it could have been a lot harder based on previous environments that have been there. And uh, and look, that uh, totally understandable when when your team is football team is in a situation like this for playoffs. The Huskies Monday will play for the national championship against Michigan. We're talking to Matt Prem. Oregon basketball is eleven and three. No Infali yep. Dante. No Nate Biddle, and. I keep looking at Dana Altman going, oh, just wait till he gets the big guys back. Um, what's your prognosis for those two guys? Which guy is more important? If you can only get one back or get one back early, get one back late, what's what ideally happens for Oregon men's basketball? Uh, well, first of all, if you're on the fence and you're a Duck fan, jump on. This team's really damn good. They're really good. And it's been a couple years. They're really fun to watch. And I think to answer your question, it's, it's Dante. Um, I don't think he fits as well from how they're playing right now, up-tempo, running it up and down the court. Um, a lot of it's four-man-out type stuff with one post player in the middle and, you know, with Kwame Evans and his, his development. Um, but Dante is a humongous human being. He is a very strong athlete. And there aren't a lot of players in college basketball that match up with his physicality and his size. And he is a very underrated player from a, from a passing perspective. Um, tremendous rebounder. I, I think he's a better post defender than Biddle. I think Biddle offensively fits what Oregon is doing right now in games of a lot of outside-in type offense. Um, they shoot more threes right now than they did game one with Dante on the floor. Um, but B- Biddle's not as tough of a defender. He, he is, he is a, a, a face-up big man, and he likes to play, and he's really good on the perimeter. Um, I think Dante's the better defender. And a game like last night was when you really needed a player like Dante because in the first half, they could not shoot the basketball well. At one point, they were like one of 16 on jump shots. Uh, and that one shot that they made was their first one of the game. So they went like 15 straight misses on jump shots in the first half. Um, everything was at the rim. They didn't have that low post guy that they could just throw the, the ball down to on the block and he attract double teams or Dante, you know, backs his man down and dunks it. So I, I think the answer is Dante. Um, he's probably the one that comes back soon. Dana said last night that, uh, they hope to get somebody back next week against California. Uh, they only have one game next week, uh, and so it's a long week or before they play the, the Golden Bears. 
at home on a Saturday night. Um, Dante's the one that's progressing a little bit earlier than Biddle. I think they're at, at, at some point they're going to get both back. Um, but this team is this team's really good, and I think they're, they've got players that fans can connect to with a couple Oregonians currently that are freshmen playing. Mookie Cook made a debut last night. I was really impressed with just his maturity that he's when he spoke with us for all of 90 seconds, but just of his awareness of where he's at and how he fits into this team and what he wants to bring to the, to the team. It, it was pretty, you don't, he was old. He, he talked and acted older than a typical true freshman. Um, we know about J- Jackson Shellstead. I think, I think Kwame Evans is, is a freshman that's really blossomed. And quite honestly, like when Biddle gets back, like, I, I don't know how you start Biddle over, over Kwame right now. Um, you, you you probably bring Biddle off the bench a la what Dana did that final four year with Jordan Bell when he got hurt. Um, Bell ended up being a, a sixth man until Boucher got hurt and was done for the season. Um, Jermaine Kuznard is that sixth-year senior, fifth-year senior, excuse me, that's just a wily vet and is making big shots. He scored the game winner last night really, you know, good passer. And then Brennan Rigsby and, and Cario Aquindo are two different guys that I think fans can can really gravitate towards because, A, they jump out of the gym. Both of them are just incredibly awesome athletes. And Rigsby has turned himself into a really good three-point shooter. I think he's like 45%. Um, and he's approaching – Mathis levels of of where it's like if he's open and he sets his feet, it's almost automatic. Uh, I I am I'm, I'm all in on this team. Uh, that might not be a surprise to some people that that know my coverage of Oregon basketball, but I think if they get Dante back here next week, they stay healthy the rest of the season. Um, they have the door is wide open for them to win the league, and I didn't think I would say that, but Arizona's beatable. There's no one in this league that that you, you can't look at and say, like, Oregon just has absolutely zero chance to hang. Um, and we'll find out here in the next couple of weeks. Like, they they go to the Mountain Schools uh, in a couple of weeks. That will be a big test. They get Arizona at home the end of the month, the month of January, and then they go down to the L.A. schools uh, the first week of February. And if they emerge out of this run with 7-1, uh, 7-2, and one, seven and two type record, they're going into February – with the league title up for grabs and there'll be a player for it. Matt, I appreciate your expertise. It's going to be fun to watch basketball season unfold. I agree with you. It's wide open and uh, wish you a happy new year. I think, I don't think it's too late to say that and I appreciate what you do, man. Thank you. Hey, I appreciate it, John. Happy new year to you guys as well. There he is. Matt Prem, 24 seven sports. I want more of your phone calls. Gary in Portland's been holding, along with some others, 503-417-7575. Get your calls in before Monday's national championship game. Punch it audio still ahead. 5 o'clock hour, Christian Capel covers Washington football. We'll get his take on the game, the X's and O's. Are you still on the fence as it pertains to who you think is going to win the game? Christian Capel may change your mind in the 5 o'clock hour. We interrupt this broadcast with a special announcement from the Bald Face hey, sorry Truth. to interrupt the podcast, but if you want to listen to more of the Bald Face Truth Radio Show, including more of this segment that you're listening to, make sure you subscribe on SoundCloud and iTunes to the Bald Face Truth Radio Show. Thanks for listening.